Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the 2000s chart show, the top 40 chart show where it's still 2003 every week. I'm your host Samuel Spencer and I'd love to say that we have a amazing show in ahead of us but looking at the releases this week uh, we just don't know. So we have releases coming up for and get ready to be pretty starstruck by this lineup. Benny Benassi, The Coral, D-Side and Appleton. Whew. Last week, if you were listening, an incredibly starry lineup, and it really seems like all of the major record labels really blew their loads trying to get the best of their songs out ready for the summer. And now what we are left with is the major label dribbles. I'll let you to think of that particularly wet imagery, but I will warn you that it is indeed a dark day for the British charts, which could very well be the name of this episode, couldn't it? You know whether that's the title in the future. In a way, though... The fact that the chart gods have given us the worst lineup of songs we've ever had is very reassuring because I can't actually do any worse than the songs I'm given. So that's uh, quite the advertisement for a good hour and a half of podcasting, isn't it? But let's let's keep listening. We can all look back on this one day as the worst episode of the podcast, which is quite saying something, seeing as one episode of this show was me recording in a very echoey bathtub. So actually, maybe that's the worst episode ever and the dark days are behind us. But let's find out as we delve into this week, 20 years ago. A huge week for me personally, because today, this very day that this is released, 20 years ago, saw the start of Fame Academy Season 2. That's right, we are heading towards the coronation of Alex Parks as the second winner of Fame Academy. Sorry, spoilers. Maybe as we go, this will be an excuse for me to rewatch Fame Academy and I'll give you some recaps. I know you've all been clamouring for someone to finally tackle Fame Academy in a recap podcast and maybe I'm the person to do it. I don't know. But what I do know is that this week, 20 years ago, that meant that Fame Academy judges Cary Grant and Richard Parks made a special guest appearance on Top of the Pops and led to one of the absolutely shadiest moments that Top of the Pops has ever experienced. A few weeks ago, we talked about how they completely destroyed the band One True Voice and this week, it's the turn of fellow flop boy band D-Side to feel the wrath of Top of the Pops. Very much looking forward to talking to that a little bit later on. But for now, I'm going to try and channel a little bit of old style radio energy to kind of power me through a duff week in the charts so to get into my inner radio 2 presenter from the 2000s hey hey pop fans and this is welcome to the 2000 chart show the absolute top of most of the pop of most of the british pop charts are you excited we've got new songs from d side those irish laddies coming and we've got all oh, the coral not real coral from the ocean no no they are in fact men so that's all very exciting but first Here's number 40. He was previously in NSYNC. I am in sync with this song. It is at 40. Rock your body. It's me. Let me rock you to the break of day. It's 
was rocking your bodies at home because number 39 we're gonna take it down it's just this song and nothing but you Paul Van Dyke featuring Hempstock. It's quite exhausting that. I don't know how some people made entire 20 year careers on that level of energy. Cocaine, I guess. Maybe I'll need to get into that energy again to pep up. But for now, let's keep things very chilled with a kind of ambient laid back new entry at 38. These girlies are not going to be happy about that. Appleton with everything eventually. Catastrophic fall from grace for Appleton there. Their first song, Fantasy, a classic up there with the best stuff that they did before leaving All Saints. Got to number two. And then their song, Don't Worry, a classic of adverts, I feel. I feel that you couldn't listen to a kitchen advert in 2003 without hearing Don't Worry by Appleton. That got to number 10. And now at 38, their third track, Everything Eventually, leading almost directly to All Saints reforming in a few years there, the failure of Appleton. Two weeks ago, we talked about the Sugar Babes and how they may have fallen out because one of them threw a sandwich at the other and All Saints famously split up because they fought over who got to wear the best jacket in a photo shoot. Of course, the two Appleton sisters, Natalie and Nicole, went solo and formed Appleton. And everything eventually, which you just heard, is the first and only song on their debut album, which they wrote the lyrics together entirely on their own. And they maybe should have got a uh, third voice in there because these are some tough lyrics you heard some of them just now obviously but here's a few more i walked into my house saw a spider in the bathtub and when i screamed it nearly ran because he was just as scared as i was that's like verse one that's how it starts that's how they they like put the good stuff at the beginning and that's what they went for here's a later lyric in which they try a little bit of light rhyme i got home kissed my daughter jumped into bed with my lover listened to harry potter on my cassette player audio. Lyrically, this song is really the mutant love child of Desiree's life. I don't wanna see a ghost. It's a sight that I fear most. I'd rather have a piece of toast. Watch the evening news. And Suzanne Vega's Tom's Diner. I am waiting at the counter for the man to pour the coffee. And he fills it only halfway and before. Desiree's life in a lot of charts gets called the song with the worst lyrics of all time but I think that may only be because no one could remember everything eventually by Appleton what with it only getting to number 38 also maybe even more than Desiree and Suzanne Vega what this song gives is I'm walking down the road just people say hello I see you looking great 
Of course, that's Jennifer Saunders from Abfab's attempt at writing a song. And it's a shame that the lyrics are so this kind of stream of consciousness description of how Appleton spend their day because the music on this song is sublime. It was produced by Marius de Vries, who was one of the producers on Madonna's Ray of Light. He did Nothing Really Matters on that album. That explains why this musically sounds kind of amazingly trip-hoppy, even though, unfortunately, the lyrics do not live up to that. Which is crazy, because if you would have thought if anyone could give us a fascinating song that was just a list of things they did in a day, it would be the Appleton sisters. One of them was married to a Gallagher, for goodness sake. Was it like, write me a song about a day living with Liam Gallagher? They probably couldn't, because it would just be four minutes of them just screaming in pure terror, but it couldn't be any worse than everything eventually our number 38 new entry there. Talking about songs with pioneering electronic music sound, thank you. Here is, this is the German version of the Radio 2 guy. Oh, hi! Welcome to another edition of the 2000s chat show. Oh, this is so exciting. And at number 37, he is Tour de France 2003 by Kraftwerk. Sorry for the French R there. Thank you, Hans, for that. And now he's from 36 to 34. At 36, DJ Sammy Sunlight. At 35, in its sixth week on the chart, Christine Regalera's Fighter. And at 34, down from 25 this week, Jennifer Ellison's Baby I Don't Care. Ellison kindly contributed an embarrassing story to the edition of Smash Hits that came out two 20 years ago this week. Some kind soul, hopefully, maybe, because they listened to my desperate plea to archive this stuff online, has put another edition of Smash Hits online. So I can tell you that the following 
happened to Jennifer Ellison. I was out shopping when this girl excitedly rushed over and asked for my autograph. I was happily signing away when she started talking about my baby and Brian. Then I realised that she thought I was Carrie Katona and used to be an atomic kitten. That was quite embarrassing. I had to tell her that I wasn't who she thought I was. Honestly, what's more embarrassing? Being mistaken for Carrie Katona or being correctly identified as Jennifer Ellison? At 33 now, here is Rock With You by Ashanti. down from 24 this week in its fifth week and at 32 another new entry this is and careful you don't get blinded by the wattage of this a-list star power intenso project featuring laura J with your music That is new in at 32 there. Intenso Project is a collaboration between singer Ben Ofeidu, who was formerly of Fats and Small, although not the only Fats and Small song you know. Hey, what's wrong with you? He's in the video for that, but he didn't do the vocals. And most importantly of all, for celebrity fans out there, he was Vanessa Feltz's partner and long-term fiancé. They were together for 16 years. And Vanessa Feltz, of course, is responsible for my favourite celebrity headline of all time, which is Vanessa Feltz, colon, friends fear she's drinking custard again. Quite a lot to unpack there. So him, Vanessa Feltz's fiancé, is in Intenso Project with a guy called DJ Rods. Sure. And a man called Lee Guest from the 80s and 90s house act Double Trouble, who had a number three hit in 1989 with Street Tough. You can be a job. There you go, that is everything you've ever needed to know about Intenso Project. To some of you, the real demented pop fans out there, and we mean that as a term of encouragement on this podcast, of course, Intenso Project were the people who did Let's Get It On with Lisa Scott Lee, which is forever iconic for being the song that gave us Lisa Scott Lee's B-list at Capital Ramp. But that is a few years ago, and the moment they are stuck with Laura J. So at the time, Laura J was a presenter on digging it which if anyone was a child with sleep problems like i was in the early 2000s you will remember was the itv morning cartoon show that aired before smtv live she was one of the presenters on there along with her brother and then after that after leaving digging it she decided to team up with intenso project for the song your music quite adorably by the way i found laura J on linkedin and she lists being the singer of this song as a job which lasted from june 2003 to january 2004 it literally lists the career as singer and the employer as intenso project featuring laura J. very sweet there less sweet i will say though later in her linkedin profile she says that after being a tv presenter she then had a number one hit with intenso project to which i say laura J. where where did you have a number one hit? I've looked at every conceivable chart. You got to number three in the independent singles chart, but that's it. So unless you can prove where that number one was, I demand you take that down from your LinkedIn page. Laura J though, a fascinating figure 
in her way because she's the kind of person who has had a media career for now 30 years but without ever being like a mainstream star in any way it's these fascinating kind of workmen of media who keep the whole thing going without any kind of fame for themselves so after working on Digging It, she was a CITV presenter. She then did an MTV show called Whatever. And then her showreel, which you can find on YouTube, has her doing some sort of early Boohoo.com sponsored show thing, which looks bad. She also, very exciting for me, she's a celebrity of her own kind because she did a Kitchens Direct ad in 2011. My designer from Kitchens Direct helped me plan my new kitchen right there on screen. He showed me loads of styles and finishes. Which I think I must have seen 250 times. If you watched as much for music as I did in the early 2010s, you definitely saw this kitchen ad once every 15 minutes for about a whole year. In case you wonder what Laura J does now, though, she is now called Laura Beckford and she is a managing director of a casting agency for kids, which seems to work with a lot of high-profile clients. And she also is the creator of something called Supernova Living, which is described on its website as a vegan life powder. And that is her business with her husband, previously a premiership footballer, Jermaine Beckford. So Laura J, officially a wag. What other podcast would dare to talk at this length about Laura J? Other podcasts, they can tell you everything you need to know about your favourite celebrities. Ugh, boring. They can tell you a minute-by-minute account of whatever murder you can think of. Mm, questionable. But nowhere else will give you life updates on people you barely remember or have never heard of. And that, my friends, is a public service. So you're welcome, and you're welcome for this. Now in its 19th week, at 31, down from 28, 50 Cent in the club. Now, as you know, somewhere around the 15th week of 50 Cent in the club, I got bored of hearing it. And so we've been trying to find other variants of it you could play. You've heard a mashup of 50 Cent in the club and the Thomas the Tank Engine theme. You've heard Beyonce's cover of in the club. But this week, as I was flicking through that issue of Smash Hits that we talked about earlier, there were so many adverts for companies where you could text in and get polyphonic ringtones of your favourite song. And I remembered how what a massive part of the early 2000s this was. You had about, I don't know, 40 pixels of space on a Nokia 3310 where you could have a graphic and paid £3 of your hard-earned credit to one of these companies to get a black and white pixelated image of a dolphin to put in it. And either you've gone on one of those websites that would tell you numbers you need needed to press to get a composure eat yourself version of your favourite song on your Nokia 3310 or you've paid an extortionate amount to get a bad version of it on your phone and in 2003 the latest in ringtone innovation was the polyphonic ringtone which just gave made them sound a little bit more like real songs with the emphasis on a little bit and so that did make me wonder I wonder what a polyphonic ringtone version of 50 cents in the club would sound like and the answer is totally unrecognizable on youtube this is the only result for a 50 cent in the club polyphonic ringtone and you tell me what it actually sounds like because it certainly does not sound like 50 cents 19 week hit So from the most dated concept imaginable, the polyphonic ringtone, to someone who is still oddly relevant in the year 2023, at 30 now, a new entry from Tyrese with How You Gonna Act Like That. Stuff that love. How you gonna trip? How can you forget? 
going to act like that is a great question to ask Tyrese himself in this video. So this video is basically a guy who has been broken up with by his girlfriend and then he looks at a park bench and through the finest CGI that 2003 money could buy, he and his girlfriend suddenly appear on that bench and we get a play-by-play -play account of how they broke up. And Tyrese spends most of the time of the second half of this music video on the floor. I get the concept that he was trying to look like he was overcome with emotion with how the love of his life is leaving him. But what it actually looks like is a grown man having a toddler tantrum. So not a good look for Tyrese there. And if you're wondering who Tyrese is and how he's still relevant in 2023, he is, full name is Tyrese Gibson, formerly an R&B singer and now best known for playing Roman Pierce in the Fast and Furious films and Sergeant Robert Epps in the Transformers films. So certainly richer than any other flop R&B act on this this week's chart but apart from his film work Tyrese has been keeping himself busy since his attempt at being a R&B star came to an end with a top 30 hit in the UK and a top 10 hit in the US so in 2013 Tyrese released a book called Manology you're already scared and you have a right to be so that was a co-written with Reverend Run which some of you will know as one of the founding members of the seminal hip-hop band Run DMC and other ones of you people like me will remember as the featured artist on the Liberty X song Song for lovers yo yo now once again my friend is the reverend the first platinum status rap president but when he wasn't singing a song for lovers with liberty x he was writing manology which was a book that finally was designed to tell women how men really think rev and run and tyrese said that they wrote this book after an unexpected disagreement in which rev insisted that marriage is forever and tyrese pushed that you could bail when the sex went bad according to the bio of the book the two decided not just to agree to disagree but to team up and open their debate to a larger audience to which that larger audience presumably said oh please god don't but they did the bio continues even though they're at different points in their journeys both have clear insights on what it takes to make a relationship work and what can sink it instantly so manology really the worst of both worlds when it comes to self-help books on the one hand you have tyrese a man with two ex-wives talking about how it's women's fault that he can't commit and on the other side you have reverend run giving you weirdly religious tinged romantic advice about sanctity and faith so i'm not sure which one of those is worse well, actually, I do know which one is worse because I heard Tyrese speak on this book tour. A lot of times when a woman goes out on like her first couple of dates, her getting to know you process may be opening up and just kind of spilling too, too much information. So you want a little mystery, is that what you're saying? Well, it's not the concept of mystery. It's just more so like I thought of you as an A plus until you started opening your mouth and just talking too much about- Yikes, whoa. Yikes. So that was Tyrese at 30 and at 29, the hits just keep on not coming because in its second week, here is Simply Red with Faith. As you drift away, here's what I say. I Simply Red down from 21 there. And at 28, it's time to get our issues to smash hits out again because it is We Just Be Dreaming by Blazing Squad. Yeah, 
Yes, indeed, Blazing Squad, Flavor, Kenzie, Melody, Crazy, Reaper. God, I know too many of those. Rocky B as well. Oh, God, kill me. It's time for more fun facts about Blazing Squad. Thank you to Smash Hits. We've learned many fascinating things about this fascinating band over the last three weeks. And here are some more. No, please, God, no. Yes. Unfortunately, we are obligated to learn more about Blazing Squad. We are obligated, for example, to know that Freak went to Spurs. Freak was invited to Spurs when he met their star player, Sol Campbell. Sol's got huge hands, Freak remembers. I shook his hand and thought I might lose mine forever. 17. Shane Ritchie is a big fan. EastEnders Alfie Moon is one of the band's celebrity fans. He came up to us last summer at a roadshow, recalls Tommy B. He asked us to sign CDs for him. It was great. Well, I guess if the EastEnders doesn't work out, you've always got the Blazing Squad signed CDs to fall back on. 18. Strider. Oh, I forgot him. Poor Strider. It's a big softie. Good, he won't take it too hard then. Strider's a fan of The Lion King and went to see the stage show. It's good, he said. And I didn't cry. Honest. Maybe he saw Javine in The Lion King stage show because as we discovered last week, she did play at the age of 18 Nala in the West End version of The Lion King. 19. Rocky B writes strange songs. The first song I made up was the VO5 song, which was about a shampoo bottle. Of course it was, Rock. And at number 20, they love their pets. You've seen Spikey's dog. Excuse me. That's slander. How dare you say that to that dog called Buster, apparently. Did you know that Flavor has two cats called Boots and Cody? Well, we didn't, but we do now. And there will be a test after all these. I hope you've been keeping track of the facts about Kenzie and co. Quick, which which one of them snogged an old woman? I'd love to give you the answer, but that would involve checking that. And there's only so, so, only so low you can sink. But Amy Stutt, segue here, has much further to sink because she is still only at 27 in her sixth week. This is Misfit. Waste your own time, I don't care. you can do. And for all of you who found that just a little bit too angsty, ugh, mum, etc., let's get a little bit euphoric with our new entry at number 26. This is Soldier Girl by the Polyphonic Spree. The top YouTube comment on that is, even as a severely depressed person with no inkling of joy whatsoever in my body, this song makes me happy. So let's see if it can live up to that. If you're not beaming from ear to ear, you're doing it wrong. But let's move on to what makes me happy, which is cold, hard chart facts. And one of those is that this is the highest entry that the Polyphonic Spree would have in the UK Top 40. And it's also their last UK Top 40. They've had previously had two others. Hanging Around got to number 39 in November 2002. And Light and Day, which some viewers with, let's be honest, no taste in comedy, may remember from an episode of Scrubs, which for some reason is only available in full dubbed in German on YouTube. So let's hear a little bit of that. Ach kommen Sie, was wollen Sie schon groß machen? Oder im Privatleben. Hey, trinken wir ein Bier nach der Show? Light and day. 
Even in German, hilarious. The Polyphonic Spree, in case you were wondering, are a choral rock band from Dallas, Texas, formed after singer-songwriter Tim DeLaughter. I presume that's pronounced like Tim DeLaughter or something, but it is spelt Tim DeLaughter. His previous group ended following the overdose of one of its members. So what do you do when one band ends? You start a band with 24 members, all of whom wear white cloaks, of course. People seem to like the Polyphonic Spree, including that YouTube commenter, but they do give kind of sister wives to me ultimately. Kind of like flaming lips for people who would unironically wear a good vibes only t-shirt. And one such person who's probably wearing a good vibes t-shirt as they wrote this did an amazing job at describing this song on songmeanings.net, one of our favourite places for deranged comments. So one of the lyrics in Soldier Girl is she makes my head spin round and someone, thank goodness they clarified, wrote on song meanings. It is anatomically impossible for the head of the person who has the Soldier Girl to be literally rotating so we can take that as an expression of astonishment at the condition of the Soldier Girl. Can we? Oh thank goodness. Thought he was a medical freak but he is instead speaking metaphorically so that's good to know. And in fact, (laughs) if you'd asked me... uh, (laughs) Oh, what a polyphonic spree was in 2003. <laughs> I would have said it was uh, when you bought too many ringtones. Ha. There we go, a little bit of nostalgia for anyone who remembers signing up to one of those ringtone services in the mid-2000s and then having to explain to your mum why 60 quid a month was coming out of her phone bill because they were impossible to cancel. At 25, a new entry for Killing Joke, and this is Loose Cannon. very easy just to dismiss Killing Joke as something that the audience that I imagine this podcast has in my head has no interest in. But I had a very long conversation with someone the other day who I assumed was just a normal pop girly like me, but then talked about how much they loved the Deftones as a child, a band that we were quite dismissive of in an early episode. So I've learnt a valuable lesson to stop judging what I think other people might like. I too like some weird things. So we will give Killing Joke the respect that they deserve, because they are, after all, in their way, legends of 80s post-punk. This is the last of five UK top 40s that Killing Joke have had since the 80s. Their highest position song was Love Like Blood, a number 16 hit in February 1985. And they have since had hits with Millennium, the Pandemonium single and Democracy. And as I said, they are an influential post-punk band with allmusic.com calling them a quasi-metal band dancing to the tune of doom and gloom which actually does sound very me. They, in many ways, have the typical story of a 1980s band. They released a few albums, and then the lead singer developed an obsession with the occult, which led them to believe that the world was about to end, and they all moved to Iceland to see the apocalypse come in. So you might not know this, you couldn't move in Iceland for bands who had really got into the occult and were just waiting for the end times to fall. I remember Bananarama particularly doing some very interesting rituals on the sand waiting for their for judgment day and as for Kajagugu well those hot springs were never the same again that's all I'll say about that as for Killing Joke they would eventually return to the UK they released a few albums in the 1990s and then this album the self-titled Killing Joke came out in 2003 and was their first
first albums since 1996. One of the many bands that Killing Joke had inspired across their run of, what was it called? Dancing to a Tune of Doom and Gloom was Nirvana. And so they invited Dave Grohl to play drums on this song and the whole album. Have to say, Dave Grohl really whores himself out as a musician. So obviously he was the drummer of Nirvana and has long been the front runner of the Foo Fighters, but he's also played on songs for Tenacious D, Queens of the Stone Age, P. Diddy, Tom Petty, David Bowie, Cat Power, The Bangles, Garbage, Nine Inch Nails, Slash, The Prodigy, Holsey, yes really, and Liam Gallagher. So it seems there's actually, maybe there's a law that if you're in a band for long enough, you're actually obligated to let Dave Grohl play with you at least once. I think it might be a rotor system, so I can't wait to see when my draft day is going to be for when I get to play with Dave Grohl. Very excited for that. Much less excited, however, for our number 24 hit. This is another new entry, the woefully titled Murder Dolls with White Wedding. This is the only UK top 40, thank goodness, for this American metal band. So in this group is, talking about terrible names, a singer called Wednesday 13. Sounds like a resident of Halloween Town that was thrown out for being too tacky and on the nose. And Joey Jordanson, the original drummer from Slipknot. And at this time in the Murder Dolls' illustrious career, they were joined by a third member called Trip Ison. And his Wikipedia page has quite the jump scare. Todd Rex Salvador, born June 29th, 1965, known professionally as Trip Ison, is an American musician mm, and convicted sex offender. In case you're wondering, he's convicted to charge luring with a motor vehicle in February 2005. So we're not going to talk about that, but we are going to talk about the Murder Dolls a bit more. Firstly, we're going to talk about their general aesthetic and particularly their look on top of the pops, in which you will ask yourself, Has any white band ever had more dreadlocks than Murder Dolls? Or are they not a good place to start? And that's before we even get to their video for this song. So the video is set on the set of a show called Disposable Icon. Mm, what could that be a parody of? And obviously the murder dolls, because they're real and metal, disrupt this this manufactured pop show and throw a rock show. Very original. I myself probably wouldn't critique people being disposable and mediocre if I was releasing a song that was a cover of Billy Idol and was just basically a massive rip-off of Marilyn Manson. I probably then wouldn't do this video, but Murder Dolls did, and it was enough to get them to number 24, so I guess good for them. I guess slightly bad for Kim Marsh at 23. This song is in its second week, and it's down from number 10. Not a great chart move for Kim Marsh with Come On Over. she said come on over and the public was like mm, sorry we're busy that day but not too busy that they couldn't buy at number 22 a new entry for Yamanda me Manda you Manda with your free you got to
very pertinent this song is coming out this week, the week of Barbie, after all, because Yamanda has an excellent Barbie-themed video that is much better than the song that it's the video for. And if you want to see this video, by the way, it's on our Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is at... 2000 chart show and our instagram is the 2000 chart show by the way if you want to see this so it starts with a little girl putting her barbie to bed and then as soon as that little girl is asleep that barbie cuts her hair puts on her sluttiest clothes she can find and goes to the club and then when she gets to the club another woman barbie flirts with her leading to the biggest lesbian barbie snog you've ever seen now i liked the barbie movie when i saw it by the way i was in a screening with how's this for a lineup of celebrities jonathan ross jesse J, Gemma collins and jillian mckeith dressed in her finest barbie pink she obviously was taking a day off from looking at people's turds in tupperwares have a look at the barbie film so good for her but anyway the barbie film was good but it definitely would have been a five out of five masterpiece if it had included barbie lesbianism so check that out but it's the song unfortunately does not match that video and because there really is i think a special circle in unoriginality hell for dance tracks that are just covers of other dance tracks looking at you kaigo in case you're wondering the the song this is a cover of in case you haven't heard it is Ultranate's Free, which is a number four hit in June 1997. And this lack of originality may explain why this was the last of Yamanda's four top 40s. They had a number eight hit in July 1999 with Simpson Strings, and then it was all downhill from there. So Yamanda saying goodbye to the charts, but two people who've proved to have much more staying power are our number 21 entry. This is in its 12th week on the chart, so hitting its third month Buster Rhymes Mariah Carey down from 17 last week this is I Know What You Want in a passionate way love the way you touch it those little elaborate ways got the guard feeling released to relax for the day it's on you Baby, if you give it to me I'll give it to you I know what you want you know I got it baby if you give it to me I'll give it to you as long as you want you know I got it baby if you give it to me And certainly what I want is our number 20 hit. This is, in its third week, S Club 8, Fool No More. Yep, thank you, Wes. This is indeed our top 20. Still to come, get ready for the excitement of this. Songs from Super Furry Animals, Jane's Addiction, D-Side, Benny Bonassi, and The Coral. We just work with what we have. That's what I'm about doing a nostalgic podcast is you are very confined by what happened in 2003. And certainly these following songs happened in 2003 to more or less extent. At 19, Delta Goodrum's Lost Without You. I admit that I was wrong.
routine, Joe Budden's Pump It Up. I'm only dealing with freaks that want to cut mine. If you agree, you want to cut in. So they get it played late night on BT Uncut. Seventeen, Mystique's can't get it back. And at 16, 50 Cent with 21 questions. Girl, it's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down? And how would you still have love for me, girl? It's easy to love me now. Would you love me if I was down? And how would you still have love for me, Now would you girl? leave me if your father found out I was thugging? Do you believe me when I tell you you the one I'm loving? Are you mad because I'm asking you 21 questions? Are you my soulmate? Earlier in the chart, we heard Kim Marsh having a 13-place drop and joining her in that big chart slump, unfortunately, is Madonna. She's down from number two last week to number 15 with her song, Hollywood. Something in the air in That wasn't enough of an insult. She also was the subject of a news story in this week's Smash Hits. Madonna's upset country walkers by banning them from her estate. Madge, whose Salisbury pad backs onto fields, wrote to Tony Blair to make sure a nearby path didn't become a public right-of-way. Madonna, at this point, still in her, very much in her English land baron phase, riding horses, wearing flat peak caps, speaking in that accent. I hadn't quite adjusted to the tabloids. Um. An iconic time to be Madonna, essentially. Far less iconic unless you are the most hardened Gen X grunge fan. Here at number 14, another new entry. This is Jane's Addiction with Just Because. Just because they're the last and highest charting single from the American grunge band and alternative rock icons, Jane's Addiction. They were named after lead singer Perry Farrell's housemate, who was called Jane. And that is, I have to say, shady AF to dob your housemate in there by saying they have an addiction. They should have gone like every housemate before them for something a little bit more passive aggressive, like Jane's annoying habit of drinking all my milk even though I write my name on it with big back letters and even though I told her a million times. Probably a bit long for a band name though, so that's probably what they went for. Jane's addiction. I guess she could have been addicted to like chocolate or something. Oh, Jane, she's such a chocoholic. She's leaving wrappers full of curly whirlies which she's been injecting into her arms all over the house. 
She just keeps snorting up all those Maltesers. Oh, Jane and her chocolate addiction. Of course, for legal reasons, I wouldn't like to speculate what Jane's addiction was. As far as I know, it was shopping. And we'll leave it at that. Shopping for drugs. That was messy and it's very fitting because Jane's Addiction are a very messy band. For example, they nearly broke up before their major label debut because their singer, Perry Farrell, decided he wanted 63% of the royalties compared to 12.5% for each other member of the group. Funnily enough, he later said, Half the reason we wound up unable to stand on each other is that I'm an intolerable narcissist who can't get along with anyone. Uh, you think, Perry? Might be things like, oh yeah, I provide 60% of the contribution to the music of our band that might rub people slightly the wrong way, I don't know. Of course, it's not his problem that also different members of his band were addicted to heroin at different times, coming for Jane for her addiction and then being addicted yourself. A little hypocritical there, Jane's addiction. They would also, it seems, literally fight on stage, very libertines coded. Like, for example, at the a 1991 Lollapalooza gig where two members started fighting and then they left the stage, came back for an encore and started fighting again. Guess if you're going to be messy, be messy across the main act and the encore. At least that's consistent. That all, by the way, is why I work alone. But Jane's Addiction still work together for some reason. They broke up twice in the 1990s and then they returned with the album Strays, which just because which you just heard, is the lead single from. And that is their first album in 13 years. But they found lots of time in between for fighting and heroin, the ultimate 90s success story. But not enough success to be at number 13. This is Super Furry Animals with Golden Retriever. Said the puppy When I met him at the zebra cross Said you need protection from every direction But you get you Furry Animals, of course, the Welsh psychedelic rock band, part of the so-called Cool Cymru movement, Cool Cymru Look. So here I am to tell you that the Super Furry Animals are the act with the most 70, top 75 hits without ever reaching the UK singles chart top 10 they are. That's actually true. The closest they got to the top 10 was in 1999 with their song Northern Lights got to number 11. Oh, we were so close to that top 10, weren't we? But we didn't get it. We were like one seven bridge trip away from getting to the top 10, but we didn't reach it. I'm absolutely devastated. That's quite enough of that. In case you wondered what the song Golden Retriever is about, you're like, is it about the dogs? No, it can't be. Golden Retrievers must be some sort of drug, right? Nope, it's about the dogs. Singer Gruff Reese said that Golden Retriever is about the relationship between his girlfriend's two dogs, one of which was a male and one of which was a female. The fact they had to specify that the dogs definitely weren't gay, I think is a little bit homophobic. To be honest, we weren't assuming that they were gay dogs. So the fact you had to clarify is shady, but that's fine because we actually have an exclusive here. This is the first time that this person has ever given an interview. Well, I say person, but I can very excitedly reveal that we have an exclusive interview for the first time ever with the Golden Retriever that was the subject of the song Golden Retriever by Super Furry Animals. Golden Retriever, I'm a huge fan. So tell me, how did uh, you come to meet the Super Furry Animals? <laughs> God, you couldn't, couldn't relive those days, could you? What a great time. And um, we've read that this song is written about a relationship that you had with a... Oh, okay. No, you don't want to talk about it. But so that's fine. But sh can I guess from your tone there that it wasn't a relationship that ended particularly well? I'm sorry to hear that. that but what would you say has been the impact on your life that this song had? Wow. Um, 
I just didn't expect it to be that emotional. Uh, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing the golden retriever who inspired the Super Furry Animals song. See, that's exactly the kind of bullshit you can do when you know from the beginning that it's your worst show. You can't fuck it up with surreal bits about talking to a dog. That's great. But what isn't great is the continued presence on this chart of R. Kelly. He is at number 12 with the Ignition remix in its 11th week. Going nowhere, unfortunately. But we are going on to the next position in the chart at number 11, Eminem with business Smash Hits decided to celebrate the release of business by giving us the A to Z of Eminem, which gives us some fascinating insights into Slim Shady himself. So Z is for zebras. It's a little known fact, but Eminem is totally mental about zebras. They're my favourite mammal, he recently admitted. I just love their beautiful coats and graceful movement. Their ears are cute. Oh, here we go. Well, Smash Hits beginning the fake news era because they add to this story. Okay, that's not strictly true, but we couldn't think of anything else. W in this A to Z of Eminem, by the way, is for Wooby. He's hard as nails now, but Eminem certainly wasn't tough when he was a nipper. His gran reckoned that he'd carry a blanket around, which he named Wooby all day, every day. And O in this fascinating guide to Eminem in 2003 is for Osborne. Rumour has it that the 2002 MTV Awards in LA, the Osborne ladies were banned from even looking at RM. Sharon said his bodyguards were going, take your eyes off. I'm like, asterisk, 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 off. So who knows what she was saying there? Probably show off potty mouthed Sharon there and Sharon Osborne's potty mouth of course what else could take us into the top 10 so let's look at some of the new entries still to go so we have three first artists trying to beat uh, Beyonce by the way that's who these people had to beat will they possibly beat her Ooh, who could say first contender for the top 10 Benny Benassi with his song Satisfaction yeah that's right get your power tools on and take your clothes off because we are marking the release of one of the best videos of the 2000s. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch it right now. It simply consists of page three girls in bikinis with power tools. That was what entertainment consisted of in 2003. And this song is a classic of dance music in the 2000s. But how high did it chart? Well, we will find out. But first, another song attempting to get the top spot this week is The Coral. They are an indie band that many people consider the beginning of the guitar group revival. So as far as I'm concerned, they could not come at a better time. And I have to say that I like their song, Pass It On. So I'm really hoping that it does well. I say, like, we don't already know what happened in the chart because it happened 20 years ago, but just play along with the format of the show, okay? Suspension of disbelief. Both of those, however, have fierce competition from the boys of D-Side. Who, you ask? Well, exactly. You may remember, if you're an early adopter to this podcast, my heroes, my queens, you'll remember that D-Side are a Dublin-based boy band who are trying to jump onto the fact that there has to legally in the 2000s be an Irish boy band in the charts at all times. So when Westlife and Boyzone are busy, D-Side are trying to fill the gap. Their song Speechless was a top 10 hit early in the year and now they're trying to beat it with their song Invisible. Frankly, one of the creepiest songs ever written and we will get into why a little bit later. Also, by the way, still to come is the huge 
incredible shade that Top of the Pops put on D-Side this week. As for previous releases, we have, of course, Beyonce with Crazy in Love trying to get her third week on the chart. And we have Pink, Evanescence, Wayne Wonder, Fast Food Rockers, Javine and XTM and DJ Chucky featuring Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love, which is at number 10. by the way that it's a weak week on the chart because there are a lot of songs that are going up in the chart rankings at this point in chart history most things get their biggest sales on the first week and then it's a slow decline but dj ania up from 11 last week in their eighth week on the chart back into the top 10 with fly on the wings of love you could say that they uh, flew on the wings of love are back into the top 10 <laughs> yeah thank you very much this trend of songs going up in the charts though thank goodness has not befallen fast food rockers who are hopefully in their last week in the top 10 their fifth week incidentally with at nine fast food song Every day I count my lucky stars that no one has thought to do a fast food rock 20 years on parody including modern fast food outlets like Nando's and Frankie and Benny's. That's when I know that we've hit the darkest timeline is when there's a new fast food song reflecting modern eating trends. If you even try it, Just Eat, your Katy Perry song is bad enough. I will come and end you. That's a warning that I mean. And now, no strangers to Deliveroo. I don't know what that means, but at number eight, down from four in its second week, so holding on a lot better than some other songs that were in the top ten last week. This is Javine with Real Things. I can show you what you love is. Need someone that'll never let you down. Could be the finest, it don't matter to me. You could be the baddest, be the most stylish. You could be rolling in money. It don't matter what you got. If your heart is out of I do feel sorry for the amount of times, by the way, that we used the Jamelia Javine's a slag clip last week, but it is just so funny. So, sorry, Javine. I actually love you. It's just Jamelia who doesn't. But one thing I certainly don't like as much as Javine is our number seven, our first new entry in the top ten, and it is Decide with Invisible. What would it take to make you see? you weren't listening when we previously talked about D-Side how dare you they are an Irish boy band four of which have names beginning with the letter D and four of them who share two names between them in D-Side we have two Damians two Derricks and a Shane quite why they couldn't get a fifth guy with a D name 
I don't know, but they didn't. And that may be why they flopped ultimately, because everyone knows that each boy band member has to have a different name. How are you supposed to know which boy band member gave you your first sexual awakening if they've got the same names? You can't. And that's why management tried to give them new names, but we were never fooled by it. So one of the Damians had to become Dane and one of the Derricks just had to become Ryan for no particular reason, apart from the fact it was different for the name Derek. But honestly, names is the least of D-Side's problems because this song has been called a stalker's anthem. Here's some sample lyrics that give you an idea why. If I was invisible, I'd watch you in your room. I keep tracing your steps, each move that you make. And the whole song is like that. It's really giving restraining order. And also it has this line, which isn't particularly stalkery, but it's still hilarious. I wish you could touch me with the colors of your life. Maybe one of the worst lyrics ever written there. But hey, writing a stalker's anthem can do very well for you and make you a very rich man. Just ask Sting. And so it was good enough for Sting, it was good enough for D-Side, and it was good enough for the American Idol season two runner-up, Clay Aiken, who covered the song Invisible later in 2003 and got himself a US Hot 100 number 37 hit. also got a lot of slack from American publications. For example, Blender called his version of Invisible the 11th worst song of all time. That article says, it's the whole, hey girl, I want to watch you while you think you're alone in your bedroom thing that transforms this song from a merely mediocre ballad to a disturbing voyeur fantasy, filling your head with images of Icon downloading porn and thinking bad things about that girl from Homeroom. So there you go. It was also called a stalker's anthem by the website Bro Bible, which I must say, if I was called Bro Bible, I probably wouldn't throw stones at other people for being gross. But there we are, that's American media for you. By the way, in case you wondered which kind of songs beat, Invisible by Clay Aiken in the Blender magazine list. It was songs like Achy Breaky Heart, Ice Ice Baby, and Don't Worry Be Happy, which I kind of have to agree with those, and then American Life by Madonna, which is rude. And I'm adding them to the enemies of the podcast list. Nemesis Corner. So good for you, Blender magazine. Was it worth it? Really? Mm. But that's enough of that because we need to talk about this classic shady Top of the Pops moment. As I said, Richard Parks and Carrie Grant from Fame Academy are there to promote the new season. And so what they did was they got Carrie and Richard to comment on the star power of the acts from that week. Makes sense. As a producer, that's what I would do. So first, they asked Carrie Grant what she thinks of Beyonce. Now, what do you think of tonight's talent then? We've seen Beyonce, you fans of Beyonce? That Beyonce is the Don. She's so fantastic. Her voice is great. She looks great. Her performance is great. And she's got nice big girly hips, which Hasn't I like. She, she can yeah. shake that booty. Yeah. So obviously, very complimentary. And also really setting up D-side for a failure because they, how can they compete with Beyonce? The answer was they couldn't, and Richard lays it on thick to D-side. And how about D-side? I thought that uh, as a coming boy band, they're not quite together yet. I don't think they've probably worked hard enough for a long enough period of time. I like the song because it was slightly obvious, but a, a decent pop number. I like Again, Mr. Meanie. Obviously, this would be fine, except, of course, D-side are sitting there listening. And then the camera cuts to them reacting to Richard, telling them that they aren't good enough yet to be a star boy band. I mean, to be fair, he was right, but it's also pretty shitty of Top of the Pops to set them up for that. But luckily, they also gave, like, good journalists the right to reply for D-Side, which we get at the end of the show. We're just after being slagged by the fellow who did, the fellow who did Fame Academy and came off stage 
and uh, he said that we weren't quite there, but um, we're, we are we are on top of the pop, so what's the scene on? So poor D-Side there, and especially poor Damien from D-Side, who, Smash Hits informs us, had a lucky escape after being involved in a motorbike accident earlier this month. Damien leaped to safety after the taxi bike carrying him skidded on the journey to Heathrow. After wearing a neck brace for a week, Damien was okay though, so you can breathe a sigh of relief for an event that happened 20 years ago that we know had no ill effects ultimately speaking of no ill effects somehow pink's disastrous top of the pots performance last week which you can hear about in last week's episode did not affect the chart placement of her song too badly because feel good time has gone from number three to number six this week make a body work make a gets a interview in this week's smash hits by the way which is mostly pretty boring but does tell us that she was called pink before she had pink hair she says the name comes from before the hair color it comes from an instant when i was eight i went to this ymca summer camp and this kid had a crush on me and pulled my trousers down in front of everybody and i had no pants on and so i blushed and turned pink like the inside of your Baby. Our number five new entry. Here is the coral with Pass It On. Every tear cried in shame. There'll be someone else to blame. And every crime that I commit will be a punishment to fear. But I'd accept what's coming round if I could only lose this sound that's been ringing in my ears and tormenting me for years. When it's done. Fern Cotton in her introduction to Pass It On by the Coral says they are taking on the mantle of Liverpool's best band. The atomic kitten erasure there, by the way, is very rude, but the Coral was certainly seen as the big hope for British indie at this point. To be fair, it was either them or Coldplay, so... And also, they seem to be a band on the rise because this was their second top 10 hit and their biggest hit so far. Of course, it would also end up being their biggest hit of all time, but we didn't know that at the time. Fun fact, it was written when the singer James Skelly was 17, and it was performed with a different guitarist than usual because their guitarist had got tendonitis while on tour. And so the rhythm guitar on this song was played by the producer of the song, Ian Broody. And who is Ian Broody, you may ask? Well, firstly, his name may be pronounced Brody, but I refuse to check because he is responsible for the lightning seeds, which means he is also the man behind Three Lions. It's coming home, it's coming. Sorry, uh, that should have been a trigger warning there for any gay men listening that we were about to play Three Lions. It's not my fault that the football's coming home, okay? I don't make the rules. Pass it on by the coral, certainly less aggressively straight than Free Lions, but it still does have big Fred Perry energy, doesn't it? So I'm sure many cans of Red Stripe have been spilled onto a sticky propaganda dance floor to the song Pass It On by the Coral. Certainly more cans of Red Stripes that have been spilled to this week's number four. This one is up from number five last week in its 10th week, a former UK number one, the song that Beyonce took off the top spot. This is Evanescence with Bring Me To Life.
earlier that one of the big hits of 2003 was polyphonic ringtone text message services, but that wasn't the only thing you could get via text message in the year 2003. But anyone who's wondered, what did people do before smartphones? One of the answers comes from Shazam, which launched in August 2002. You may be thinking, how did Shazam work before we all had smartphones with microphones and audio detection? Well, I found this, just found this out. What you would do is you would ring Shazam's number and then it would automatically answer and you would just play the song to your phone and whoever was on the other side of the line. The line would automatically hang up after 30 seconds and then and this is incredible. It would text you what the song was, obviously charged at your standard network rate, to quote every TV phone in of this time. So what does that have to do with Evanescence's Bring Me to Life, you ask? Well, NME and their end of the year roundup revealed the top 10 most Shazam songs of the year. And Evanescence's Bring Me to Life was the song that the most people heard, rang the special Shazam number, held their Nokia 3310 to the speaker and got texted back that it was Bring Me to Life by Evanescence. Amazing stuff. So 2003. By the way, in case you were wondering, there was another song from this chart that was in that list. Interclub by 50 Cent was number seven in most Shazam songs full time and we will reveal a few more of those as we go on. Also, in this week's Smash Hits, we have the Pling Plong advert. What, you ask? The what? advert the pling plong advert which was a one of these services in which you could text in and get sent a ringtone of your favorite song they reveal on this advert their top 10 most requested ringtones in july 2003 and bring me to life by evanescence is number one there as well the full list by the way these are all songs that we've played over the last few weeks at number 10 x gone give it Chip by dmx the 10th most requested ringtone in july 2003 number nine tom craft with loneliness number eight Justin Timberlake's Rock Your Body. Number seven, In The Club by 50 Cent. Six, Fighter by Christian Aguilera. Five, XTM's Fly on the Wings of Love. Four, Buster Rhymes' I Know What You Want. Three, Wayne Wonder's No Letting Go. And then at two, the R. Kelly Ignition remix. So Wayne Wonder there at number three on the most requested ringtone chart. And he's also gone up the chart all the way from number seven last week back to number three with his song, No Letting Go. A song that's so successful, in fact, that Top of the Pops this week, 20 years ago, decided to just replay Wayne Wonder's performance at the beginning, which what what tells you more about the bad lineup that we had on the chart this week, 20 years ago, that they had to just replay Wayne Wonder's performance of No Letting Go at the beginning. So that leads us with two songs remaining. So let's give you a rundown of the entire top 40 this week, 20 years ago. Will Beyonce make it a third week at the top? Or will Benny Bonassi's Satisfaction, Jackhammer, Hammer, Drill, Angle Grind, other power tools its way to the number one spot? You will find out after a one minute recap of the entire chart. At 40, Justin Timberlake's Walk Your Body. 39, Paul Van Dyke, Nothing But You. 38, A New Entry, Appleton, Everything Eventually. 37, Kraftwerk, Tour de France 2003. 36, DJ Sammy Sunlight. 35, Chris Aguilera Fighter. 34, Jennifer Ellison's Baby I Don't Care. 33, Ashanti's Rock With You. 32, A New Entry, Intenso Project, Laura J's Your Music. 31, 50 Cent's Into Club. 30, A New Entry, Tyrese, How You Gonna Act Like That. 29, Simply Red Fake. 28, Blazing Squads, We Just Be Dreaming. 27, Amy Stutz Misfit. 26, New Entry, Polyphonic Spree, Soldier Girl. 25, New Entry, Killing Joke, Loose Cannon. 24, New Entry, Murder Dolls, White Wedding. 23, Kim Marsh, Come On 
over. 22, new entry, Yamanda, you're free. 21, Buster Ryan's Mariah Carey, I know what you want. 20, Escob Juniors, Fall No More. 19, Delta Goodrum's Lost Without You. 18, Joe Budden, Pump It Up. 17, Mystique, Can't Get It Back. 16, 50 Cent, 21 Questions. 15, Madonna's Hollywood. 14, a new entry, Jane's Addiction, Just Because. At 13, a new entry, Super Furry Animals, Golden Retriever. 12, Art Kelly's Ignition Remix. 11, Eminem's Business. 10, XTM DJ Chucky's Fly on the Wings of Love. Number 9, Fast Food Rockers Fast Food Song. Number 8, Javine's Real Things. Number 7, D Sides Invisible. Number 6, Pink's Feel Good Time. Number 5, a new entry, The Coral, Pass It On. Number 4, Evanescence Bring Me to Life. Number 3, Wayne Wonders No Letting Go. And number 2, a new entry for Benny Benassi featuring The Biz with satisfaction, which means that Beyonce has made it another week at the top of the UK Top 40. classic dance track there and it has a classic video that is replicated in hilarious iconic form on top of the pops this week really one of the finest top of the pops performances i've ever seen because not only does it have the girls pretending to work their power tools because of course they can't use real power tools on the top of the pop stage but also it has the two singers who make up the biz playing kind of health and safety inspectors so every so often they'll just look at their clipboard and point at something and also they have one of those workman's tents in the middle of the stage for no reason it's incredible it's iconic we love it certainly giving more than the murder dolls did in their performance so of course what else could you do but recreate the video on top of the pops because it is iconic but it almost wasn't the video because there was an original video before the song was a true hit that was just a four second clip of them that was the album cover come to life that then they just stretched to fit three two and a half minutes which is terrible it's about as bad as the video they ended up doing was good really isn't it fhm readers took a break from masturbating to vote the satisfaction video the third sexiest music video of all time just behind dirty by christian Aguilera at number one and call on me by eric prids so let's talk about that music video it features the following in case you're wondering but what tools are featured in the benny Benassi satisfaction video well i can tell you First of all, we have a lovely hammer, followed quickly by a two-speed battery drill with an impact-resistant casing, which is light, compact, and easy to use. Mm, you screw that hole. Up next, a masonry drill with hammer action control and adjustable depth stop. You want to make sure that you can control the depth. Very important. Next up, we have a belt sander with an efficient 150mm sanding drum available at 110 volts or 240 volts, depending on how electric you want it to be. It's also ideal for domestic or professional joinery. Got some angles to grind while well, you try a purpose-built angle grinder with sliding trigger operation, the latest thing in DIY. For those really hard jobs, however, you need a heavy-duty breaker, ideal for ballast packing with an air consumption of 33 CFM. It is powerful and compact and fits in the back of a van. Need two at a time? Well, you try a dual action saw, ideal for garden and household timber. If you've got to deal with a lot of wood, the dual action saw is the way to go with its powerful 50 watt motor and tungsten blade. Chop, chop. Need to get that surface nice and smooth? Use yourself an orbital sander with minimal dust operation and a disposable bag. Like to use your hands? Well, you try a manual saw, three-year guarantee a standard with an easy grip handle. Need to compact a trench fast? Why not try a 
power breaker, the professional's choice for trench compacting. Mmm, daddy, compact that trench. So that is your breakdown of all the power tools in the Benny Benatti Satisfaction video. That song, by the way, not the Generation Game style theme music there, but Satisfaction by Benny Benassi, was written by Benny Benassi's brother Alessandro, who would go on to write Beautiful People and Don't Wake Me Up for Chris Brown, both top 10 hits and also Girl Gone Wild by Madonna which yeah wasn't the less said about that the better so yeah this video very much as much as I find it difficult to believe a sexual awakening for a lot of people very much the heterosexual rush the choice of Anne song I found a reddit thread which I instantly wish I hadn't found that was just people talking about getting their first boner to the satisfaction video which is great it makes me wonder are men okay you put a woman in a bikini with a jackhammer that makes her breasts jiggle a bit and they can't help but get an erection I just cannot comprehend what they could find sexy about this it's like oh yeah oh, you better sound that word oh yeah oh grind my angle all the while here's me sitting like god if they are not properly clothed they're gonna get dust everywhere so that perhaps explains why I'm doing a 2000 chart show podcast and not writing for nuts magazine maybe one thing by the way that people should check out before we move on to talk about our, this week's number one is the instagram of violetta the one of the, the female singer there in the biz she is Romania, a romanian woman and her instagram when i say it gives peak eastern european mum hopefully you know what i mean it's a lot of quotes and pixelated photos of course and of course violetta from the biz could not compete with beyonce crazy in love in its third week at number one this week selling 34,600 units not a high selling week on the charts i think you can guess why but taking the total for beyonce's crazy in love to 150,000 sales there and her album is in also dangerously in love is in its third week into its 250,000th sale which i think makes it platinum going over platinum i think and beyonce's crazy in love on its way to becoming the 15th highest grossing song of 2003 in between move your feet by junior senior at number 16 and turn me on by kevin little a song that we will be hearing in a few months time but for now beyonce sitting pretty at number one even in a slow week i've become a little obsessed with all the amazing collections of 2000s chart memorabilia that people have on that are sharing on social media in our fan base people with their entire collections of pop world magazine a magazine i've never even heard of and now want to read every issue of now that i know other people have read it and also finding old copies of smash hits so i bought myself the enemy big book of 2004 which is kind of an annual looking back at the year of 2003 in pop music this is where i found that incredible picture that's on our instagram of the cheeky girls dressed as the white stripes a very good week to be talking about it because this was the week in real time in which enemy announced that they were going back to being a print publication it's very exciting for me because i interned for enemy when it was a print publication one of my first professional jobs as a journalist so i have fond memories of it but i am worried i'm worried about enemy relaunching in the same way that i'm worried about big brother relaunching is that if they relaunch it to kind of modern tastes it's going to be a horrible disaster big brother has to go back to basics rather than like i don't know hiring a load of tiktokers an enemy needs to go back to having writers with personality because even when i was working there no disrespect to anyone i spoke to laura snape for example they weren't willing to really write in that kind of quasi pretentious way that enemy in its peak 
was doing. Their piece in the Big Enemy Big Book of 2004 about Beyonce's Crazy in Love is a prime example of this. This is exactly how every feature in The New Enemy should read. So this is a one-page feature that is just about the uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh bit at the beginning of Beyonce's Crazy in Love. And I'll just read you a bit of it to get so you get a sense of it. She dances like a woman in awe of her own electric sexuality in the video and consequently you are left startled and moved by the experience. Beyonce is speaking directly to us, to all of us. Imagine Chris Martin ditched anonymous other members of Coldplay and released a single that was called Jesus, She Blows My Mind, very Jesse Ware coded, which consisted of him listing the ways Gwynny made his blood pump faster over the funkiest, sexiest, zestiest piece of future pop you've ever heard. Then imagine the video, directed by Gwyneth Paltrow, starring Gwyneth Paltrow, where Chris, hot from double yoga, stares into the camera and declares undying lust for the woman of his dreams. Wouldn't you think, fuck me? Wouldn't you be thrilled to the core at him taking a risk like that? Wouldn't you spend the next week phoning everyone you knew asking if they'd seen it yet? Of course you would, but it's not going to happen, is it? There won't be a split. Chris wouldn't write a song that brave, wouldn't make a video that outrageous. Walking along a beach on the rain looking a bit mopey, sure. Acting like you have functioning genitals? No way, pal. So there, in about two columns of copy, they have summed up the entire premise of the 2000s chart show and how rock artists get all the acclaim. But really, the true joy of music comes from pop stars. And so, what a perfect way to end what will go down history as the worst episode of the 2000s chart show so far. Please don't forget to like, rate, review and subscribe on whatever podcasting platform you listen to the 2000s chart show on. All of them, likes and reviews, really help in the sh- their charts. And the more higher we are up the charts, the more people who get to listen, which is obviously amazing for me and amazing for you because the more that this show gets a name for itself, we can start getting guests from the noughties to appear which is my dream and should make for a pretty amazing show so don't forget to like rate review and subscribe and if you want more 2000s fun you can join us at 2000s chart show on twitter and at the 2000s chart show on instagram and threads if threads still exists when you're listening to this and also check us out on youtube we are soon going to start adding episodes of top of the pops episodes of this show and some songs that have not made it onto spotify yet so you can get the full experience of this chart but for now i'll say goodbye and leave you with this week's number one and at number one here's beyonce with crazy in love will she be able to keep it for a fourth week tune in next week to find out when i promise there are better songs to come see you next week hopefully You cannot lie. You other brothers can't deny. When a girl calls in with a custom tone and is ringing on your brand new phone, you get for wrong. Better pick up, son, because it just pick might up be the phone no with one. Mix a lot in the Jamster Club. Text Mix 13 for the monos, Mix 14 for the polys, or Mix 15 for the real music sounds to double eight triple eight.